Good morning, friends. Clear River. I do want to uh, hopefully bring you something that is encouraging. I, I uh, for one, have just, I just have loved just uh, steeping in this life of Jacob. And hopefully uh, all of us can relate to Jacob and his walk and, um, and relate that, uh, uh, to the journey and relate to the fact that, that our God has purposes for us and he has a great mission for us um, and he's going to bring it to completion. So no matter where we are, where we stand, you know, he's going to bring that to completion. So we continue with Jacob. And um, we, uh, again, just remind you that, that we're trying to answer a couple, a couple basic uh, questions here uh, through all these uh, character um, uh, evaluations or studies. Uh, first, Pastor Jeff started with the life of Abraham and then proceeded into David through the Psalms. And, and now we're um, in our third weekend into Jacob. And there's two basic questions we've been trying to uh, take hold of through this lens of these uh, personalities in the Bible. Uh, the first one is, you know, what is God's heart's desire? And uh, because if we are really, truly people of God, if we really want to follow after God, then, then certainly we want to be people like David was called in the book of Acts, a, a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart. So we want to align our hearts with his. That's our desire. And the other burden that's been on our hearts, as we said before, is that we, we have this burden in, uh, here, and hopefully we're all starting to carry this amongst ourselves as a people of God, is that what, what about the rest of mankind? You know, what about those outside the doors of this church? that don't know the truth of the gospel and don't know the community of faith that, that you all get to benefit and, and, and uh, help and, and assist and carry one another's burdens in. You know, what about them? You know, remember uh, in Ephesians 2, uh, it says that, that we were all once at one time dead in our trespasses and that we were all children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So we're, we're trying to take hold of this uh, the question as we as we examine the lives of these uh, of these saints, and so um, we've been uh, various places uh, over the last few weeks, and uh, we started out in, actually early on in Genesis 28, where we talked about uh, Jacob's vision of the the heavenly vision of the of the ladder going up to heaven, and all these he all the angels uh, ascending and descending, and the Lord blessing Jacob. And then last week we talked about the uh, at, towards the end of the story. Uh, where Jacob is now, after 20 years with his uncle Laban, is now returning to the land of Canaan, and he's, and he's there one night, he's wrestling with God, and he's given a new name. And we asked the question, you know, why was he given a new name? And we kind of, we concluded, we think, that, uh, that he was given a new name because he was given a new identity. He was given a break from his past, his old deceitful um, um, uh, you know, thief-like past uh, uh, that, that he displayed in early on in Genesis. So now we're going to return to that earlier part of the story. We're going to have a little bit different slant here, but I want to return to uh, Genesis 28. I'm going to read uh, again. I, I, right now I'm reading out of uh, the NASB, and um, I apologize if you don't have your Bible. But, oh, by the way, if you don't have a written Bible, I know it's dark back there, but there's lots of great apps out there. The one app that I personally prefer is just has, you get a lot of free uh, Bibles versions in it. It's called, called the Logos app. It's a wonderful app. It is free um, uh, for the basic app, but uh, it's a great one. So there's lots of them out there with the Bibles out there, but I'm reading from NASB. 
uh, chapter 28, verses 15 through 22. I'm sorry. <clears throat> the Lord says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. This is the Lord speaking to, to uh, Jacob. I'm sorry, I, I failed, failed to set the stage. This is right after the vision that he had. And so the Lord recalled, the Lord gave him the great promise. He, the, not a new promise, but he gave him a reiteration of the Abrahamic promise. He gave that to his, his father Isaac. Now he gives it to, to uh, Jacob himself. And, and on the heels of that experience, here's, here we have uh, the Lord and Jacob talking. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is, I'm sorry, <laughs> lost my place. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up, on, up as a pillar and poured oil on it. He called the, place, the, uh, the name of the place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been loose. Then Jacob made a vow. He made a vow saying, catch this, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. This is a remarkable um, uh, little vignette here right on the, on the heels of God giving Jacob this tremendous vision and, and, and reiterating, like I said, the Abrahamic promise, he's saying to Jacob, you know, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to bring you to this land, and I will never leave you. I'm going to be with you. And Jacob, on the heels of this, it's, it's amazing that he's negotiating terms with God. You know, he's, he's laying out conditions for God. It's not that he doesn't acknowledge God. I mean, he, he knows God is there. He's seen him. You know, he's even saying if, you know, uh, he, he acknowledges that he'll be uh, possibly with him. But, but he's saying, if you do all these things for me, then you will be my God. You will be my God, which is a remarkable, remarkable thing. And so the question that we're going to be pondering today is, who does Jacob worship? Who does Jacob worship? And we're going to find that that is transformed over uh, the, the story of, of, of Genesis, these later chapters. And so, but before we go on there, let, let me first talk about the word worship and what that means. What does worship mean? What does worship mean? In the context here that we're talking about, in the Christian context, we're talking about whatever thing, whatever person, whatever idea that we place the ultimate value upon. The ultimate value upon. That thing, that person, that idea in which if that thing went away, that person went away, our life would no longer have meaning. We would be crushed. We would, you know, we would be lost. It is that that we're talking about. What does he worship? And we all, everybody, is a worshiper. Not just Christians. Everybody. 
Everybody worships something. That's what we call, you know, if you don't, if you don't worship the one true God, that's called idolatry. And idolatry takes all kinds of forms, right? It takes forms of we, we elevate a, a particular person, a particular thing, a particular idea. All these things uh, can take a place in our heart of which they are worthy. We sang that song today. Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? We read that it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going we're gonna to also go back and we're going to do a quick survey of some, of some scriptures um, that will hopefully show us where Jacob uh, was and where he's going. So we started out in Genesis 28. He's negotiating terms with God Almighty, saying that if, if you give me all these things, then you can be my God. Okay, so in, in Genesis 31, just to set the context, Genesis 31 is now, um, it's, uh, it's later on, it's after... Um, <clears throat> After he spent 20 years in Pada Aram, okay, so if you recall, he was fearful over his life. He was fearful that Esau, his brother, was going to kill him. So his mom, his mom uh, Rachel, said, you got to hit the, hit the uh, road and, and, and head on the way to, uh, to your uh, forefathers' uh, uh, place where they lived. And um, he spent 20 years there. And we talked about that last week, how this was a period, we think, of refinement and of discipline, of preparation of Jacob to be able to ultimately take hold of this new identity which God gave him. And we read uh, last week in the, uh, the, the, the story where he was wrestling with God. And he was now given the name Israel. <clears throat> and if you weren't here last week, well, we said that Israel has a past and a present connotation. That is, that it means that... Um, God, and and explain, it's explained in that scripture that, that Jacob was one who had striven with man and with God, and he prevailed. But there's also this perspective, this futuristic uh, connotation of the, of the name Jacob, which is that God will fight for you. God will strive for you. God will defend you. And so in keeping with the, the promise that he made to Jacob, he was saying, I will be with you always, and I will be fighting for you. Okay. So that's the context here. So turning to 31, <clears throat> verses uh, 4 through 3, we'll start there. <clears throat> and, he sa and the word says, So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to, uh, to his flock in the field and said to them, Rachel and Leah are his two wives, the, the daughters of Laban, his uncle, <clears throat> and said to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly. But the God of my father has been with me. Catch that. The God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father had cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages. Then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the stripes shall be your wages. Then all the flock shall bring forth stripes. Thus God has taken away from your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about at that time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in the dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of the Lord said to me, another appearance of the Lord, in a dream, another dream, Jacob, I, and I said, here I am. He said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. Remember that name? 
from our verse uh, 28 reading. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. So this is a, a very interesting reading. Now, you know, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Lord is saying, go, go back to, to Canaan uh, to fulfill the promise that he made to him. But catch what he says at the beginning, at the very beginning. He's talking to Leah and Rachel, and he's saying, the God of my father. You know, many of us, I think, go through that season in life where our faith is not our own. Our faith is my mom or dad's faith. Or maybe sometimes it's even our spouse's faith. It's my wife's faith. I go to church because my wife or my, my husband go to church. So I think we kind of get a glimpse of that here, that this is not yet Jacob's faith. This is not yet Jacob's God. And, and, and what's really interesting is that God brings him to a point where he, he reminds him, he says, remember that vow you made to me, Jacob? Okay, I remember. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I was the God of Bethel. I was the one there with you, and you made this vow to me. Well, now we're going to go work this out according to your prayer, according to your conditions, and I'm going to go ahead and send you back to the land. I'm going to send you back to the land. And so Jacob continues, and we'll move on to verses uh, 41 to 42, same chapter, 41 to 42. <clears throat> it says, these 20 years, this is Jacob talking, these 20 years I have been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages 10 times. We talked about this last week. You know, Jacob <clears throat> was the great deceiver, the great thief, the great liar, and here he was confronted with somebody was, who was outdoing him, and that was his uncle Laban. His uncle Laban was a cheat, a liar, and a thief, and, uh, and he was being confronted with that. And that, I think that's in the Lord's wisdom, right? The Lord's providence, he brings us face-to-face with a lot of times with, with the things that need to be uh, uh, you know, molded and need to be discarded from our own personalities. And I think that's what he's doing with Jacob here. And so... Um, I'm sorry, I was at uh, 42. My wages 10 times. And then catch this at verse 42. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, so he rendered judgment last night. You know, Jacob clearly acknowledges that, that, that God was operating. It's not like he was denying the existence of God. I mean, he acknowledged God's work in his life, his God's protection. Uh, his, 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 uh, and, 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 and actually, the rendered judgment was a dream to Laban. Laban had a dream that says, do not touch Jacob. Do not say anything bad to Jacob. And so, you know, what he was acknowledging here was that God actually appeared to Laban and said, keep your hands off, off Jacob, Right? So Jacob acknowledges that, but here again he, acknowledge, he acknowledges God uh, only as the God of his father and of, uh, and of his, uh, his father, I mean his father Isaac and of his grandfather Abraham. The fear of Isaac just means another word for the for God of Isaac, the fear of Isaac. You know, when I was growing up, I was, uh, my faith was uh, greatly, greatly influenced by these wonderful, wonderful women of faith. My mom to this day is my, probably my spiritual hero. And uh, her grandmother, my grandmother, who I knew, 
was also a great woman of faith. We had, I had aunts that were all great, great women of faith. And, and that was, it was a family faith. But when I was younger, I'm not sure it was really my faith. But it was my family faith. It was something very comfortable. I acknowledged it. I saw how devout they were and how God appeared to work in their lives. But I had not taken hold of that in my life. I think that's where we find Jacob at this point. We go on to verse 51 to 54. Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm, and you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Now we find Jacob making promises in the name of God. He makes promises. So there appears to be something happening. He acknowledges God's existence. He acknowledges it was a, it was a family God. He acknowledges that he even appeared in a dream to Laban. He, but now he's getting to the point where he's making a promise on God's name himself. Something is changing, transforming, I think, in, in, in Isaac's mind. And he continues to go on. But he seems to still be uh, a little bit distant. Because you've got to understand, I think, if, you, if we continue to study more of the Scriptures, the other element that, that comes out in Jacob's personality is that he was one in control. Of, he wanted to be in control of everything. You know, he was not one to be dependent on anyone or anything. He wanted to be in control. So I think we continue to see that, and we move on to verse uh, 32 at 9 and 11. And here again, he says, uh, very similarly, he says, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and the God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of your loving kindness and all your faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with your staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. It's this point in the story where Jacob is fearful for his life. He has heard of his brother Esau uh, being out in the distance, and it actually is now coming towards him, and he fears for his life. He fears not only for his own life, he fears for the life of his family. And it is this point where he's coming to a point of crisis. We talked about this last week. That oftentimes it takes us to a point of crisis that we actually start taking hold of our need for God, our need for that new identity in, in God, and of, in which we find Jacob here now. And so we find Jacob for the very first time in, in this story for pray, where he is praying to God Almighty. But here again, he still refers to him as somebody else's God, as the God of his fathers, the God of his grandfather. And so finally we turn to Genesis 33. This is after the, um, uh, the wrestling with God. This is after he meets his brother Esau, after his brother Esau extends grace to him and forgiveness, and they embrace. And, and now the, 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 the promise of God that I will return you to this land has occurred. Also, if you remember the vow that, that Jacob made in, in Genesis 28, where he made the conditional you know, conditions that set forth, if you take care of me and you provide for me, take care of my safety, and then you return me to the land of my fathers, this has now happened. And we read chapter 33, 18 through 20. Now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem. I love that, Dennis. Where are you? I love the way you pronounce the 
the words in the Word of God. Um, now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from Padamaram and camped before the city, he bought the piece of land where he had pitched his tent from the hand of the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Israel, God, the God of Israel. This is a long journey for, for Jacob. And, um, and I want to offer you five takeaways that, we, that, we can, um, that, that I can offer you for, for uh, the scripture that we've just uh, reviewed. The, uh, the first one is that Jacob thought that a relationship with God can be transactional. That it can be transactional. And that it can be set, that this relationship can be set uh, on conditions. Can any of us here relate to that? I know I can. I know I can. I know there are times uh, in my past where I feel like I've, I've gone before God and, and have, have said, you know, if, if you do this or that, then I will become more devoted. I will give my life to you. I will, I will serve you better. That's what Jacob had a very limited view of what God wanted in a relationship with him. And sometimes we also want God to prove himself worthy, don't we? We kind of question his trustworthiness. We, we, you know, we, we put similar demands or similar conditions as Jacob did. We say, if you will do this for me, then I will know. I will know that you can be trusted. I will know that you hear my prayer. You know, and so Jacob, he didn't get the answer to that prayer, to that condition for at least 20 plus years. And so we ought to take something from that. That, you know, sometimes when we do offer up prayers like that, with conditions, with, with uh, you know, a transactional sense, that, that we ought to know that our Lord will operate in his own timing for his own purposes. We also know that we see uh, there, as, as he was um, confronting his brother Esau's return, you know, that, that, we, that we find Jacob really pleading, calling upon his father's God when things really got sticky, when the, things got tough, when things got desperate. How often do we do that? How often do we go to our knees when we're confronting crisis or trial or tribulation? How often do we perhaps forget and get too busy to go to our knees at times when things are going quite well, when a time of blessing or season of blessing has come upon us. We can also see ourselves in this. We can, <clears throat> we can see, though, in the end, that Jacob does worship God as his, as his own God. Um, <clears throat> I think those words are significant. That's the first time that that, uh, that is ever uh, that term uh, God of Israel is ever used in the Bible. El Elohe Israel, God, the God of Israel. 
I think something changed. You know, we talked about it last week where, where Jacob, uh, it was only after years of this tortuous, tortuous journey, this, uh, this long, prolonged period of refinement and preparation that, that God was doing at the hands of Laban. In Jacob's character, in his mind, his, 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 um, his heart, that it, it was only after that long preparation period, difficult, very difficult at times, confronting fear uh, of death when his brother was, was, uh, was coming to visit him, that it was at that point that God gave him this new name. He knew that he had to wait to give him that new name because that was when he would be ready to receive it. And likewise, there was this preparation that God was doing in, in Jacob's heart for him to ultimately take hold of the fact that, yes, God is my God. He is the one that I worship. He is the one that is worthy. He is the one that if it were not for him, I would be nothing. It is in him that I find my fulfillment. It is in him that I find my refuge and my protection. It is in him that I find my purpose. So where are we? We have to ask ourselves in that, in that journey ourselves. The other thing I would offer you is that the Lord God does not give up on Jacob. And so we ought to take encouragement and hope from this. He does not give up on you and I. No matter where we might find ourselves in the story, He has not given up on us. He is working on us day by day. And I can tell you, I can look back, you know, that old, that old uh, picture, that, that story about the footprints in the sand. I mean, there is, there is a lot of truth in that, you know, because when you look back on your lifetime and you can see, oh my goodness, the Lord was with me. He was working and operating on my heart and changing me and directing my footsteps. And he was doing the same with Jacob, and he did not give up on Jacob, despite, despite the fact, as I'll repeat, I'll repeat it again, despite the fact that here he was confronting the God Almighty and, and having a negotiation with him. God had every right to dismiss him. God had every right to judge him. God had every right to condemn him. But in his grace and in his mercy and because of his great purposes and because of his great promises and because of his great love, he would not uh, be, be thwarted in his plan. He would continue. He would continue to work carefully and slowly in his own pace, in his own timing. He'd be working in different circumstances through different people preparing Jacob's heart to come to the point of acknowledgement that he is Israel. He is, he is the, the leader of a nation in which God will fight for this people day in and day out, henceforth. And that God, and that God is his God. And that God will be their God, the nation of Israel's God. The last thing I will tell you is that God desires our worship. And this is not because he needs our worship. He, the scripture tells us he needs nothing from us. He is self-sufficient. He is glorious. He is content. He is perfect in his existence in the, tri, the triunity of Father, Son, and Spirit. But he created us. 
Remember that? We talked about this. He made man and woman in the image of God that we would go forth with purpose, with mission, as image bearers so that we would declare and participate and display His glory to the ends of the earth. So we will not find fulfillment anywhere else. We will not find purpose anywhere else. We will not find joy and satisfaction anywhere else like we find in God Himself. He is the ultimate worth. We talked about this. It would be unrighteous if He did not offer Himself to us. It would be unrighteous if He did not call us to worship Him. So how do we worship? How do we worship? And that takes us to this question. And it's for us. We asked, what does Jacob worship? But let's make this personal. What do I worship? Who do I worship? Do I trust and worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as my God? Is he the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David? You know, brothers and sisters, you know, this is, this is um, our highest calling. This is our highest calling. This is our purpose. This is where we find fulfillment. We will search the world over to find that fulfillment. We will elevate, as I said before, people in our lives to where they don't belong. We will elevate our spouses. We will elevate pastors. We elevate our children. We will elevate our intellect. I think Jacob had a big thing about his intellect. He was the wise guy. He could figure it all out. He can plan it all out. I've got it covered. We can elevate our pride. We can elevate our jobs. We can elevate our, um, our, uh, our whatever passion it is. And our Lord is asking us, to lay that down because that is not what you were created for. You and I were created to worship Him and Him alone. So where is our heart? I know it's not, I know we're all works in progress. I know I am, I am still work in progress. So, so this is not intended to be a, a, a message of, of condemnation. What I want this to be is a prayer. I want this to be a prayer for you and I, brothers and sisters. See, the Lord says, the Lord says that if you delight in me, I will give you the desire of your heart. And when we delight in him, we take on the desires of his heart. So how are we leaning in? We always say here at Clear River, what is my next deeper yes? What is that next step? It is ultimately God's work. We saw this in Jacob's life. It is ultimately God's work, what he is doing in you and I. It says that the Lord Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So it is his work. The question is, do we want to posture ourselves to receive his grace? His sanctifying grace in our lives. What is that next yes? What is that next leaning in to receive His sanctifying grace in a new way this day? 
This week, how, Lord, do I worship you more fully? I know my heart is like Jacob's. I know I worship you partially. I know I worship you because of my spouse. I know I worship you because of my family. I know I worship you because of my children. I just want to bring them to church. But I know I want more, God. I want more of you. Because you are life. You are life. You feed me. You give me hope. You give me joy. I seek joy every day. I pray that, brother and sister. I, I go back to what I was talking about earlier. I'm praying right now. I pray for joy and I pray for peace that only He can provide. So let's look outside ourselves. What does this mean about the rest? What can we take about this for the rest? The, uh, we can find ourselves being tentative, can't we? Being even embarrassed. Being, unlike Paul, ashamed of the gospel. Because sometimes in our heart of hearts, we're not quite sure. We're not quite sure whether we believe it or whether we believe him trustworthy. And I know that because I, I've experienced that. So my prayer for you and I, brothers and sisters, is that we so take a hold of the love of God and his power and his trustworthiness in my life and your life that we do go out boldly and that we do not hesitate because we have this pearl of great price. How can I hold it to myself? When people are desperately in need, they're drowning, they're dying out there, and they need hope, and they need life, and they need joy. They need purpose and fulfillment that we can only find in Him. And as I said before, the Lord didn't give up on Jacob. He doesn't give up on us. And so here's a word of encouragement. We're never ready to share the gospel. At least we think we're never ready. You know, I keep thinking, man, okay, if I get, finally get into the land of Canaan, I can share the gospel. But see, the thing is, the Lord worked through Jacob all through those 20 plus years. He revealed himself to him. He revealed himself to Laban and to others, to Rachel and Leah, through Jacob, through this sinful man. I can, re I can recall many, many stories where I attempted to share the gospel, share my faith in so many awkward and stumbling ways. And I thought, wow, that really went bad. Only to find a few weeks later, months later, years later, where somebody, that person will recall and said, what you said, God used. So brothers and sisters, no matter where we're at, if you are in Christ Jesus, no matter how small your mustard seed of faith might be, the power that, 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 that Jesus, our Lord, 
um, sent to us the power that resides with the Most High. He resides with us. And we can go forth confidently on that. So if we've been given this great gift, this great notion of who we are as worshipers, then let's strive for that in the power of the Holy Spirit. But let's not give up on those around us. Let's be sensitive to that and call upon the Lord to sensitize our heart for all the rest. In Christ's name, let us pray.